0: and welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity, TISO Thursdays. I am here with Renee Small, my amazing co-host, and Val from CFF, who's going to talk a little bit about that foundation and some of the things that we're doing uh, to tackle the cyber problem of today, tomorrow, and the future. Um, Before we get there, for everyone following us on LinkedIn, uh, follow us, connect with us, ask us questions, because we're really here to help individuals as well as leaders tackle those cybersecurity problems uh, that we're going to talk about today. For those of you following us on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and that notification button. That way you'll see us pop up the next time we go live. And for those of you on podcast, feel free to share it with all your friends and family. So. Let's start our session of today. Um, Renee, how are you doing today?
1: Hello, sir. I like I like your intro better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> you had so thorough. You know, you don't forget anything. I always forget something. I am good reliable. practice.
0: Good practice. That's and then right. Val uh, from Cyber Future Foundations. Yeah, make sure I say it right. Um, Val, tell us a little bit. Uh, about yourself. Let's start with your background. How did you get it?
2: (laughs) Sure. And and you know, thank you for having me, Chris and Rennie. Great to be here. Uh, I've been, I've I've seen a couple of podcasts uh, uh, from the other side as an audience. And of course, you've got an amazing fan base within CFF, especially within the CFF leadership team that have uh, really been fascinated by the work that you have done, the awareness that you have raised. So kudos to you. And thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Um, I, I keep practi- I have to keep practising my introduction because, Chris, just like you, went through it very quickly uh, so smoothly, <laughs> mind changes every time. And, and up until recently, I used to be um, uh, with EY as the Managing Director for Cyber uh, Security on the energy sector and was responsible for Americas. And uh, a month now... Uh, uh, you know, with cyber future foundation, we have a new business, uh, with a new core that is being set up and a lot of fascinating, uh, you know, work that's being done with the community and, uh, working with, with folks that are close to and have been part of CFF, uh, to create new, um, you know, avenues for supporting our community. So overall, you know, I've, I've been in the cyber industry one way or the other for the last uh, 20 years, uh. Um, uh, and and seen through uh, different uh, even name changes for the cyber industry. So I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that, and hopefully we can we can share some of uh, what I have done in my background, and also relate to um, uh, to how you are trying to get more people to join uh, cybersecurity industry. So great to be here.
0: Thank you, uh, and um, I don't think a lot of folks might—they might not be aware of what Cyber Future Foundations was. Um, I know I wasn't when uh, someone first asked me about it, and did my digging and found out maybe it, it was just a website at the time that needed some some updating, which is why. Um I, I wasn't sure about it, but yeah, tell us about um how the Cyber Future Foundations got developed because we're we're chatting before we went
2: live and that's a really
0: interesting story.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. And, and you know, it's uh it, it does, the Cyber Future Foundation just get, came about probably the right time to get a lot of the things that got started, you know, th- around that time frame, five, six years down the line, we are seeing those uh those changes. Uh, and I, as I mentioned, like earlier, speaking with you that I'm a serial social entrepreneur. I've spent a lot of time in spinning up and helping and supporting nonprofits. Uh, my first one was a cloud security alliance where we worked to put together a huge organization that it is today, but uh, starting off with uh, with a handful of people, just make, making sure that the cloud security uh, roadmap and the guidances are evolved and, and prepared properly. And 12 years back, it was all a hype, and, not sure which direction we're going, right? Um, But working through that gave me a tremendous amount of experience and exposure to the problems and challenges that we see across the board, not only within the cyber realm, but also how businesses make decisions, how, uh, you know, organizations use technology, and how those affect, you know, eventually the, the larger macroeconomic or national security issues. Um, so uh, you know, it's just like probably things happen during around dinner tables. Two of my friends uh, and colleagues from the from the industry, and one from the federal government side, uh, um, uh, and and a, and a few of others. We were talking about how to make sure that we get cybersecurity uh, into the board discussions. Make sure that they're part of the C-suite discussions. Make sure that. Uh, the the national leadership whether it's from the, you know, from his industry, the captains of the industry or the national leaders, they understand the implication of cyber. It's not just technology, right? There is so much of other aspects that are involved. There's policy, there is risk management, there's finance, there's technology, innovation, so many ways to, or so many aspects to consider on cyber. So, uh, you know, uh, one of those discussions was, uh, uh, with one of my good friends, Robert Rodriguez and, uh, um, and it was Admiral you know, Rogers at the time was the NSA director, and all around the dining table or dinner table was um, how can we make that happen from a public-private partnership side. So you know, I kind of raised the hand and said, "Okay, I already do this uh, uh, through my other avenues. Let me go give it a shot." And we started CFF um, uh, literally that we were we used to call it Cyber Peace Alliance, and it didn't go much, right? So the interesting fact is, it started off as Cyber Peace Alliance, and it was like. Well, what is cyber peace? It's Greenpeace, like, you know, you're activist type. Like, And at that time, you can imagine activism and cyber was not the good thing, not even now. <laughs> so, so we had to rebrand it. And the next year we met again. I was like, "Well, what have you done? I was like, just getting started. So, But but that was a serious business at the time. There were so many uh, challenges, so many breaches happening. Um, and the boards were getting, like, moved out, CEOs fired. But nothing really was making any impact, right? So it needed a very serious conversation around that. So on my flight back from the dinner, uh, I put together the Constitution of CFF and my good friends like Harold Collum, who I worked with um, in Dallas at the North Texas Time Commission at the time, and Dave Marvel, who just retired from from, uh, DHS. They all came together to support. So we started Cyber Future Foundation practically as a platform for cyber leaders to connect with business and national leaders so that they can get, make informed decision based on the real experts who are actually on the field, right? Uh, and we have maintained that tradition for, for, for the longest time, uh, uh, and probably we, we should pay attention to our website and everything, but it's all about action. Uh, we, don't do produce, we don't produce a lot of things, you know, kind of uh, uh, white papers and all. Uh, we are absolutely action-oriented. So when we get together in our annual meeting in Future Summit in October, we go through a laundry list of issues that our cyber leaders and our businesses collectively think that they need to solve. And then from those 20 odd issues, we we land on five plus one model is what we've landed on. So five durable problems that need to be solved plus one emerging problem, current affairs issue that needs to be solved that five plus one. Then we go to Davos at the, at our cyber future dialogue. I mean, last two years have been <laughs> crazy to say the least, but, uh, we have been able to take them to a global forum and and be able to have consistent solutions uh, for this community and for the wider cyber community. And many of the practices, discussions and approaches um, that you see a lot of the cyber leaders follow today were one of those discussions at CFF um, that happened, right? So it's an executive leadership forum with a focus on getting Uh, solutions uh, made available to uh, you know to the cyber community Uh, and then practically that can be you know turned into cyber program or cyber program practice wow that's i I love the the positive aim to
0: to action and i know one of those actions that are coming out of your last board meeting is the the cyber talent week Uh, tell us about the the mission behind that
2: yeah. Um uh, no that we, we are excited and really thrilled about the Cyber Talent Week and and with what all the preparation that's going on, you would probably see, you know, March 18th, we're gonna finalize the agenda and all the structure. But it it was one of the call to actions for, for the cyber leadership team is that we had about thirty-thirty-five sessions this time. In each of the sessions, the one big topic was that we need more people in this business. We need to break the barrier to entry. We need to, you know, you know, address the disconnect that we have. It's not just that, you know, there is there is dearth of talent. There is actually a lot more, lot of people who and candidates who are willing to come in and jump in. How as cyber leaders, how can we make sure that we are able to give them that opportunity? And at any probably you deal with this every day, right? Uh, That there are people who want to come in, but there are leaders who are hesitant to give them an opportunity, right? So uh, what we decided is that. It's, it's, you know, let's not just do one, you know, one hour of round table or half a day or we'll just, come to, you know, contribute or or commit one full week talking about the different aspects of cyber security talent. And that's how Cyber Talent we came about. And to, to you know, give opportunity for every area and region to talk about. So we said, let's look at this as a North American initiative. Scan the country and the nation from like the top from the left to right, um, and ge- and throw the spotlight on each state or province in Canada who are working on specific uh, resource issues of talent, uh, cyber talent there. And that way, what would happen is we know there are certain things that we do well. So, for example, in Texas, you know we we've got a lot of uh, um, resources and a lot of hubs, uh, and East Coast and West Coast gets fairly. Uh, a fair amount of exposure in terms of cyber talent as well as opportunity, but with COVID something changed, right? I mean, everybody can work remotely. There are, now we should be able to tap into the talent. See, when I was at Ui and and prior to the Deloitte and and Cognizant America Cybersecurity, in each of those programs, I mean, I had the mandate to hire hundreds and hundreds of cybersecurity professionals, right? And the way I had to go about them is you know uh, one of my leaders are going to put together a job uh, you know post they will will approve the headcount and the budget we know what level and all that and then it goes back to the talent team the talent team would have to get people to move to places or they have to go to a client i think with one thing that has come about with this uh, with this remote work is that people we can actually tap into talent anywhere and everywhere so we said we're going to scan the entire country so now we have broken this up into into three regional conferences and two days of national conference. So, if you're in the West Coast, uh, uh, Pacific and Mountain time zone, you have 18th. We are kicking off the Cyber Talent Week. Uh, Central region, we are doing on the on the 19th, 20th. We're going looking at the East Coast and then continuing on to the national, uh, you know, conference on the 21st and 22nd. So, you've got about 50 to 60 hours worth of programming. Uh, about 200 uh, leaders have signed up, uh, and there will be more coming. Uh, and, and that's why I see in about four and a half months. I mean, this team is amazing. The you know you probably dealt you know kind of interacted with some of our some of our CFF, uh, volunteer team leaders. Uh, Catherine, shout out to Leah uh, and and everyone in there. They are trying to make sure that if there is a problem, we find a way to solve this. And the Cyber Talent Week is one of those ways of. Of bringing the community together around a very important topic that needs to be solved, we need to make sure the candidates know how to break into cybersecurity in the industry. I mean, recruiters like Renny, you have the tools to to identify, uh, you know, and and be able to qualify candidates. And the cybersecurity leaders who really need the help um, of all of us uh, have ways to engage them, whether as an internship or an apprenticeship or as full-time employees, right? So this is really a drill down on that for an entire week. So I invite you and your community to join that cyber talent week and make it absolutely successful.
0: And what are like some of the things that you've seen previously in conversations with um, the, the leaders that you've mentioned that we can do to improve the, the talent pipeline? And kind of create a sustainable model that can be used uh, across small and medium-sized businesses, and then potentially something that larger organizations can use. Because there's repeating patterns that we see, whether it's on the candidate side, the education side, or uh, the hiring side, that causes gaps or breaks in the process that, that could be improved.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great question,
1: Vinny. Yeah. No, I just wanted to add that I'd be curious to hear your experience because you came out of the big four, where I know that they um, tend to get people who are early career, entry level, you know, college grads and grow those folks. Mm -hmm. So I'd be just curious to hear your experience with that because, as you said, you had, you know, budget and headcount of hundreds of um cyber professionals so i'm wondering if that is going to be your um, your expertise and best practices will be shared during this talent week
2: yeah absolutely and and it's not just val it's going to be val plus 50 times i think we are all wanting to to share where we see the roadblocks are and and hopefully collectively we can make that solution this is not like an as a practice lead say, say i had 400 people in my day. so this 400 people are at, at different levels of of skill set and experience right one thing that i can tell from my vantage point is that it's very difficult and probably as a cybersecurity uh, professional you can you can appreciate especially this community that it's very difficult for someone in my position or uh, one of my partner's ciso's position to give someone who has not got the experience to get their hands on 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 critical systems, right? I mean, every system for, uh, every system in business is critical when it comes to security. Nobody wants to take a chance and that's the risk we are trying to mitigate, right? And the challenge is for any of those work that needs to be delivered, whether in development or pre-production or production, uh, whether it's finance or it's customer facing, you need to have some real experience to do that, to, to make, you know, to implement, to, to design, to implement, to configure. Now, how can we make sure that that experience can be had prior to actually using that experience in a, in a live production environment, right? So that is the magic that, that needs to happen. But it's not magic. It actually is very much doable. And that's what we're doing from a CFF side as well. And, and that's our new venture. You know, you see uh, us announcing, probably we can do a little bit of teaser or preview for, for this community before. But that's exactly what we are trying to handle. There is a gap between when, students come in or or entry-level career seekers come into cybersecurity with an expectation versus where we are expecting them to perform immediately right and and then you can imagine the amount of cyber challenges and threats that we are dealing with nobody wants to take a chance or a risk right not you you would not want your bank or your healthcare provider to have someone who's a college grad who doesn't have the practical you know production experience to put hands on that environment. You would not want, I would not want that for, for, for sure, I know. So we have to give them a place, a safe place to practice those skills, right? I think there have been a lot of improvement in this in this area. One of them is having cyber ranges and having a lot of, you know, hackathons. Sorry, can you say that again? Hackathon and many areas uh, that can be, that can be utilized to do this. Um, what we are doing, and then this is a little preview of what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, not even months is we are setting up a national cybersecurity help desk as a commercial initiative that will give the entry point for those that are looking into get into the cyber and the way we are doing this and this is this is why all these years of working with cff and the cff community and leadership is why important that we want to have as many people coming into cyber as possible as diverse opportunity made possible right so what you're going to do or uh, is is we're going to give this cyber help desk or take this cyber help desk as the staging place for those that are trying to get into cybersecurity. And with that, you have a model. So, so what we have designed is about a pod. So, pod would be a combination of of two or three apprentices with one full time or two full time, you know, uh, senior person, probably a couple of years of experience, and then a supervisor over there, and that's shared across these pods, right? So, with that model what you have is you are able to have supervised production uh, i mean experience uh, and front end customer service experience that people can get and then let them go work for the enterprise like they have got a couple of years of experience and we are trying to shift this left if you're looking for some content and guidance some structured uh, framework to follow you uh, you know go to my linkedin or go to cyberfuturefoundation.org and frameworks you will find a what we call a transformation learning platform program. And that kit, that addresses the need at every level. Um, and that is going to be kind of the framework for our discussion at Cyber Talent Week. Uh, there are three, three areas we are focusing. Um, one is expanding the, the cybersecurity opportunity pool, right? So you, you make sure that you, you pull in as many as, as possible into this pool and you can only do that by giving a little of broad uh, you know narrative. Right now, the narrative is you know, you can have to be a cyber defender, cyber threat hunter. There's so much other work that needs to be done. I need program managers, I need technical writers, I need testers, and I, I need so many different skill sets. It's not just one cyber threat hunter I need. Well, that that's an essential element, but I need to run a program. I'm not running a SOC, you know. Remember, so those that are tapping into and trying to get into cybersecurity. Think about the various different skill set that could be applied. If you're, in the, if you're trying to get into a cyber vendor space industry, I mean, we need exceptionally good marketing skills and exceptionally good articulation and visualization, UI, UX skills. They're not cyber threat hunters, but they can take the, the, the knowledge and they can articulate and present in way. Why do you like some app or some product better than the others? Because an artist is behind that. That's not a scientist. The scientist is doing all the back end work, right? So we are opening up the gates of opportunity to those that are beyond cybersecurity. Just so that's one area. Second is we are making sure that we make uh, we provide landing zones for cyber opportunities, right? So everyone, and then you can probably you know Renee, you have seen this too, and and Chris as a practitioner, you have seen like. Everyone aspires to do something different, have a change, learn something new. It's not just the entry-level people. I've had identity access management architects, senior architects telling, me, I'm done with this. I want to go learn something new. I want to do something new, right? And do you think they get the opportunity? It would be very difficult for me to get an AD architect Put into a sock or a threat hunting position. It is as much imp- a <laughs> problem. I mean, you have the direct exposure, probably, but it's as much of a problem. Trust me, that I have had to convince, um, you know, data security program leaders to take on someone who has not done that before, even though there are senior people. But the good thing is they are next to each other. They can, you know, they can learn over a period of time, and then they can get into space. So how can we make sure we get those discussions happen? Uh, in this uh, remote environment, we can make those discussions happen virtually, right? So the yes. coaching and the mentoring piece that needs to come in with this. And the third thing is is making cybersecurity a, an essential element of business, right? So that's why in, in Cyber Talent Week, you will see uh, a lot of leaders joining and talking about the, the things that they want to know, they need to know. And it is not all technical. Policy management, risk management, financial budgeting, uh, you know, organizational planning, all of these elements are required. And and then the, so Renee, you you as a recruiter is our front door, right? So I hope you are demanding both from the candidate side, bring me more diversity, and also from the leadership side, you're asking to see how else can I help, right? I mean it's not just I'm gonna place a SOC analyst, I'm gonna place an RD man, how else can I help to diffuse cybersecurity into the organization rather than having only cybersecurity, uh, you know, CISO as your, is your client. Uh, so I'll, I'll stop here. I can go on for on forever on this particular <laughs> topic.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate your everything that you have to say because that's the reason why we're all here. Like Chris and I had people coming to us and we have done, I mean, I've, personally gone to CISOs and said what you know we know that in in CIOs and CTOs and say we we don't have we don't you don't you don't need this level of experience for this role or you don't need or this person could easily be transferable transferable their skills can be transferable into this space especially at that mid-level which is where I think we're really hurting um It's just that I think there are a couple of um, factors that make leaders, managers, whatever, you know, struggle with bringing the people in. So some of the points that you made in terms of, you know, are you going to give the keys to the kingdom to a junior person? Of course not. Um, But it seems as though there's all of this other angst around entry level and it only, and I've been recruiting for 20 years and it, this has been the most baffling um, space for me because, and I haven't recruited medical professionals, but everyone else, there's always an opportunity for entry-level people. You know, when I did accounting and finance, you're not gonna give your investment banking top client to the junior baby (laughs) brand new person, right? There's a stepping stone, there's a ladder, they're under people getting experience and practicing and things like that. I was on a call the other night talking about this very topic, and um, the lady I was on a call with, who I hope hope she gets to be on this podcast very soon, I was saying, you know, in the military, you're taking literal 18-year-olds and turning them into pilots in 18 months. Like you can't sit here, folks, and I'm not saying you, Val, because obviously you're a solution to this problem, but folks want to sit around and say like, you know, people need all of this and you need all these extra years of experience and what have you. And in every other industry, people come with a basic level knowledge and get training to get into, you know, to be proficient, obviously with some cover, you're not going to put the brand new 18 year old in your best fighter pilot to just go off. But after experienced training, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. they become proficient pilots. And this happens across the board. So it's always, I'm scratching my head, like I've been scratching it for five years trying to figure out what the story is when it comes to this. So I so appreciate what you're doing um, in terms of doing, you know, providing folks with training, the transferable skills piece, because again, an AD director, like you said, There's skills that they have, that seasoning, there's all these various factors that come into being a a leader or someone that's a mid-career professional that you learn from just being in organizations and corporations and how to communicate and all that kind of stuff that someone that's fresh out of college likely is not going to have. And that person can easily transfer. But there seems to be all of these additional barriers. So I'll be at the talent week. (laughs) I definitely (laughs) want to, to learn more. Here what leaders have to say, like, here, what is what are these what are these supposed cha- not supposed, I know they're challenges, <clears throat> but how can we overcome them quickly? Um, and solve this because to me it's a solvable, you know, we have solutions. You sat here, you mapped out solutions, you've seen it done in Deloitte, you've seen it done in EY. I've I've I sat and listened to presentations from PWC. Like this companies are doing this and and it's it's weird that it's like this, you know, you have this, uh, this group that, or it's, you know, some folks that they that it can't be done and you have this back and forth going on. So um, I truly yeah. appreciate it. I actually have to, to hop off here. So I look forward to meeting and participating in talent week and Absolutely hearing from, hearing and from people. Hear oh, another thing I wanted to say is that recruiters typically, you know, we want, our whole goal is getting people into roles. Like we want more folks in. It makes our lives easier. Yeah. I hate to go back to the same five people and say, "You, oh, you know, yeah. I got another job." I know I have meeting, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you want to build that pipeline. So yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. let me hop off. This was wonderful. I'll listen to the rest of the conversation, and I look forward to participating on on the eighteenth. Excellent.
2: Thank you. We welcome. All right. Thank you, Renee.
0: Val, to add to that, I I think in addition to the the private sector that we've talked about, we also have the government sector that is looking for ways to attract and retain talent because I know they're competing with the the private sector. So what are some of the ways that you've seen that they're trying to innovate uh, recruitment and retention in that area?
2: well uh no that's that's so important to to our industry and i think you know a lot of uh us come from the uh from the federal background and uh you know most of us have led this challenge of of you know building team retaining team uh especially the constraints that we have with uh you know they have with, with the government uh payroll system and the lengths and then how much you can pay versus competing with the industry right so very tough challenge, uh, but I do have to give a shout out to the current national leadership team. I mean, Jen and Kirsten and, uh, uh, you know, Director uh, Easterly and I'd say, um, I mean, now we have a fantastic uh, cybersecurity leadership team in the country. And I, you know, couldn't be proud, more proud to, you know, partnering and working with with uh, with these leaders um, by themselves. I think they're a brand, they can attract more people, but the thing is how do we keep them, right? Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, if you think about what uh, I recently got to learn about, uh, you know, uh, that Dr. English's uh, uh, focus on workforce, he's trying to put a specific theme on workforce. I'll, I'll share the link with this community when I, uh, after this call. Um, but they are trying to establish a new avenue of workforce development around the country. And, and, and I believe most of this is in the public-private partnership model um and honestly this this started i think at least a few years back uh where uh you know it was openly said that uh you know you have young people who are coming out of school go directly work for the government learn uh, as much as possible and sharpen their skills and then go back to the industry and then come retire come back with the work for the government and retire there right so so i think that it will continue to be a revolving door but uh but i believe uh, the federal um, there is no bigger customer like you know looking at as a CISO or a cyber program i mean there's no bigger customer or an environment as as complicated or as challenging as the federal government and the systems and the agencies that go in there right so if you're a true learner i mean your first five years if you spend there you can go solve any other problem and the only one that you probably would be comparable is to the big banks right uh, uh, so so it gives an amazing amount of opportunity to go solve. And then you can see probably a lot of our community leaders, they actually go through rotations, two to three years, they will go spend. And most of the, say, Reserve Bank, federal leaders, um, CISOs, it's such a two-year tenure, right? So follow the leaders. And that's what I think most of us do. Like, you know, we we, we go as parts. Again, you go, you know, establish a program or fix some things that are broken and then come out. Uh, I think until we fix the overall talent problem, uh, we will still have an issue. However much incentives we have anywhere, whether it's private sector or uh, uh, private sector or it's uh, public sector, doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, not everybody is motivated by the money, uh, uh, which, is, which is true even in the private sector. I've had the most uh, uh, you know, amazing people. They could have gotten a job anywhere, but they love the team. They love the environment. They love the culture. And the challenges that they face and solve day to day um so federal government has its own appeal and the federal government agencies definitely need to have um they need to first create that many positions and and uh, and and i'm sure a significant amount of folks who are with this pipeline as we build and expand they will stay in the government because there is so much to learn and then as they get three five years they can probably come out and work in the private sector um, so it, uh, I think there are opportunities everywhere. It's just not limited by um, uh, another constraints anywhere. Every organization, every environment has its own constraints.
0: No, I definitely agree. Um, and then it uh, is one of the the topics that you plan to cover, or potentially that you had in one year solutions is how do we develop a a pipeline uh, that addresses people that are currently in the market, uh, people that are coming into the, the market, and then that people that are still in the education system, how can we highlight uh, cybersecurity as a, um, an area for them to consider? Because I, I, I've seen recent studies where they would interview college graduates and ask them if they have ever heard about cybersecurity. And the only time they've heard about it is when there's been a breach. But they didn't. They didn't know that this was a, a career that they could consider, or even something that they've ever studied before. Um, what could we do to
2: to raise that awareness earlier on uh, in the process? Uh, no, that's uh, that's key to our success going forward as an industry. Being able to successfully do um, what we were set out to do as professionals in the cyber industry, uh, and and it must start early. Uh, you know, the earlier you you start in this programs, and it has to be systemic, right? It cannot be just one school doing it or not. So I, I'll give you some of the great examples that I've seen. And, and most recently, uh, I have been really uh, blown by what I have seen at North Dakota. So they don't start just at K. I mean, they were pre-K probably, you No, know, getting cyber as early as possible. Um so those discussions need to start early. They need to be in you know in in built into the education systems. And I think some some states have already done it. So we don't have to reinvent things from the scratch. Of course, we're able to continue to refine. But I think look at uh, look at the San Antonio ecosystem, right, in Texas. Look at um, North Dakota Bismarck ecosystem. Um, Idaho is doing the same thing. I think the that's why I think that I'm really excited about cyber talent because then we can throw the spotlight on on the things that are happening in places um that could be uh, kind of you know replicated in other parts of the country and uh, and we can all collectively become stronger and add to this cyber um, talent uh, pipeline um so that that's definitely one thing. The second thing I believe is uh, you know we may have amazing content, we may have amazing, Experts and resources, and in this world of digital content, there is not you know there is no dearth of it. Some stand out definitely. This podcast does, Uh, but we have to make this available and accessible and in front of the schools and and students. Right, they need to hear about these stories uh, when they're in probably you know um, middle school or even sooner earlier. Uh, And 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 it has it, it has much wider implication and impact than just. Uh, you know broadening the funnel of cybersecurity um, workforce see uh, if we train and not just if now we now we are seeing this in practice say we are training 100 cybersecurity uh, you know candidates i'll not say professionals or practitioners are candidates right who are curious want to know learn may possibly go into industry but those hundred maybe all of those hundred are not going to go into cyber as cyber professionals but a lot of them are going to become developers. A lot of them are going to go into, you know, law, policy making or, or management. And imagine the amount of, you know, impact it makes when they make a decision based on that information or cyber informed. And, you know, 50% maybe won't go do a technology job at all, but yeah. they are consumers. And that's why we need to start early because once we start early, we're, you know, in kind of putting in the the cyber thinking into the brains of these early, and why it is important because of our children. They spend the most time online. I mean, regardless of how much you know parental guidance and all you have, I mean those apps really they have to they have they have to evolve in certain ways. Uh, uh, but I think those children uh, that are getting cyber informed earlier. They not only have a potential to become cyber practitioners, but most of them are going to become very secure cyber citizens. They're going to be safe, and they're going to help themselves to be safe, and help other and their friends to be safe uh, in the digital world. I mean, you think about Discord, you think about Minecraft. I mean, anywhere you go, oh, I mean, all of this is digital. That's where our kids live now. So it, it has so much secondary impact in in directly people's lives and kids' lives, right?
0: Yeah, and to share an example, um, pre-COVID, I I went to my son's elementary school as um, kind of talk about your profession day and talk to them about um, the A to Z of uh, malicious threat actors and oh. what they could do to protect themselves. And you, they were in. Um, uh, just before grade one, um, kindergarten. Yes, they're in mm-hmm. kindergarten. And A, I love that the girls were asking more questions than the boys um, mm-hmm. when it came to like, what can we do to protect ourselves? What can we do to, to be aware? So asking those types of questions, whereas the boys were like, how can I be a hacker and break into the system? Um, <laughs> we, we need to be able to kind of, promote as a career. So, um, yeah, I was very surprised at, at the feedback and the input. And I think every if every cyber professional did that,
2: um, we would have an amazing impact on the school system. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you did that. I hope more and more, you know, dads and moms go and spend time, uh, you know, with their professional experience at the school. So how many students, uh, how many professionals we have? We have probably about, you know, 500,000 professionals. Uh, and and maybe you no know, two two hundred fifty thousand of them are parents can go and teach their kids in school. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> that that would be amazing. But one of the
0: the challenge that I've seen from COVID is that you now have uh, an outflow of teachers um, from teaching. So yeah. we also need to uh, kind of enable the teachers um, that are there. To, to share that knowledge as well and to be able yeah. to to do that because they're on computers at school they're yeah. they're doing their assignments and apps online that yeah. are helping enable and magnify what the teachers might be able to do through gamifications. And yeah so yeah. Uh, um, fr- from from the CFF point of view, what can we do to enable schools? Um, to be part of the solution as well, or school systems uh,
2: to help empower them? I'm glad you asked that. I mean, you know, this is one of those uh, CFF moments, I would say. Uh, back in 2018, we we had the summit. Uh, you know, during the summit, we made introduction between one of the school ISD CISOs with one of the ISAC. Uh, I think it was a Global Resiliency Foundation. And and unfortunately, this, this dear leader is not with us um, anymore, but she tried, tried to, so she connected this to one of her leaders. Uh, and now we have a K through 12, Isaac and K K-12, through K 12, 6.org go there and find out that there is a, yeah, there is a very structured program now to get kids educated on cyber early and then actually bring them on to support school systems. So that's what K twelve six does. and that discussion actually started on the on the attendee floor of CFF. Uh, you know, two two speakers came together and say, "Okay, we should do this for a, for at a larger scale." And then and this guy um, Eric Eric goes and says, "I'm I'm already doing it in two ISDs or three ISDs. How can we get national?" So I think one good opportunity that we have with the school systems is. Um, you know, give this as a professional um, development opportunity or learning opportunity for the high school and, and uh, you know, even, even you know, middle schoolers can go yeah. uh, work on labs, you know, kind of maybe a little bit more uh, structured boundary, but those high school sprints can help to protect their own schools, right? And that's how they get the firsthand uh, you know, experience. So that started right on the CFF um, floor and we are very proud of that and uh, and now that there is an organization actually working on enabling school and high school kids to uh to protect their own schools and is nice. um, so let's do that nationally right and, and
0: since you talked about like um kids protecting their own schools what's your thought of cyber as a vocation rather than a profession
2: i i, I think uh that's absolutely essential um Uh, you know, so you could do this as a hobby, you could do this as a part-time or you could do this full-time, doesn't really matter. Um, There's definitely, I would welcome more people to join professionally because there is an amazing uh, durable career opportunity here, right? Once you're into cyber, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of burnout now because of of, of the stress that we have. I mean, especially with COVID, we were thrown into many different situations. But I'll tell you, this is a, uh, this is a field that I have been for the last twenty years, and I enjoy every bit of it um because there is new learning every day, new challenges to solve, right and we solve this with really smart people um, so as a vocation, if somebody wants to take it, I think uh, uh, they will quickly progress into make it a profession right um, so so absolutely welcome people who want to join this just for you know just for knowing learning and the fun that's involved in solving cyber challenges and problems
0: and and then Like kind of on that route, what if we follow the example of nursing or electricians and create apprenticeship part, um, pass for individual to come in and start with no experience, kind of do the smaller things while learning, like you mentioned in the pods, kind of that approach, um, but at, at scale?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you you picked up one of my my most favorite and things that I'm really passionate about. So uh, we did a proactive proposal to DoL back in 2020, and that's how we started this whole cyber apprenticeship journey. Uh, so this is not a uh, you know this is not an aspiration anymore. It's actually a program. So if you go to uh, if you go to apprenticeship.gov. You can actually search for cyber apprenticeships that are available, and this follows the exact path that you that you show. It's actually very. Difficult. It's a little bit tough uh, to define the cyber apprenticeship, but uh, because of the way it's structured and the uh, and the opportunities, are, it's not a very see, it's not a very mature industry, right? We are still evolving as an industry. Uh, whereas you know, uh, the welding and the cutting and carpentry has been there forever. Um, uh and it industry hasn't invested so much in apprenticeship but i think that's the key it's a bridge between internship and a full-time job to bring in more people give them a varied experience but very structured experience where you know uh, they, they're also getting paid so uh, uh you know if you if you need more information there is plenty of resources available through CFF for cyber apprenticeship program we have uh uh, Safal Suffol partners uh, is our workforce development partner in this okay. journey and and they work directly with the dol to take this to different parts of the country um uh, but apprenticeship is essential and is key um and absolutely we we support that uh thoroughly uh, in, in practice um, i mean this whole cs uh, national cyber help desk a third of the workforce for national cyber help desk is Planned already to be apprenticeship, right? It's not like we are we are bolting this, and just like we don't want to bolt security into this. It should be by design. Uh, yeah. uh, the business solution-wise, uh, to for the talent solution, so apprenticeship is a must. It must be factored in, and it's a very it's a very economically you know viable solution. See, uh, running global teams and and working for global organizations, I have had teams around the world, and a lot of this is kind of labor and economic arbitrage. I have had teams in India, in Philippines, in Brazil, everywhere, uh, and many times it was because of the cost factor, not just the you know we got scale and amazing talent, and collectively we could solve things. But think about the economic opportunity that we have in this country uh, that we can unleash by giving opportunity to a certain bracket, which financially works out. Uh, you know, the minimum wage for apprenticeship is eighteen dollars, and it wow. can go as much as thirty-two bucks. So I can get, I mean, those leaders who are tuning in here, think about this financially, 18 bucks to 32 bucks for that entire year, you are somebody's training and learning and applying their own time to learn. It's a structured training. So 144 hours of training that's already planned and programmed into into the delivery. So they're working for you for the rest of the, you know, uh, what, 1600 hours? So 1600 hours plus 144 hours, 744 hours you're getting you're getting free $550 worth of training that's available through DOL, uh, you know, a full year's worth of training. So why won't you take advantage of that? 18 bucks to 32 bucks, that's your cost to run an apprenticeship per person. So if you want to stand up a team, make sure you plan for apprentices. And that way you're not only helping uh, your team, your budget, but are also introducing new, uh, you know, cyber career uh, journeyments into this program and into this industry yeah absolutely and one of the one
0: of the other things that that's really close to my heart is uh, we we have such a strong military that trains up individuals in certain verticals, but once mm. they leave the- the military and they kind of lose that structure that they don't know what to do um what's your thought on like skill bridges that also kind of use that apprenticeship model to help um integrate these military service men and women um, back into the community.
2: Yeah, no, that that's so vital for not only, you know, furthering uh, or, or giving back to those that have served us, but also bringing them to new opportunities that they can, you know, they can contribute to, especially with those that, I you know, the, those team members that I've, I've hired from, uh, you know, who are, who have served, they bring an amazing amount of discipline. I mean, uh, you know, the, that discipline takes time and they have already gained that discipline. They have gained the work ethics. It's, it's just exceptional amount of, you know, kind of delivery uh, perfection that you can bring in with some hungry. So if you are a cybersecurity leader, give an opportunity to a serviceman that has served this country and you can do it in so many ways. There are lots of resources that are available. Apprenticeship is definitely one. And, and there are specific programs from the VA and there are specific programs and combination of DOD and DOL also, um, which pays for the first year's worth of wages. See the apprenticeship program for DOL that uh, we have is specific to the training part. So we we have some funding to pay for the training for those apprentices. Um, there is another resource uh, if my I, if I memory serves right. Look up Georgia Cyber Center and and probably paste a link there. They have a program that they have funded. They can fund the wages for this. So if you're a business person looking for investing in, in someone who was coming, you know, is a serviceman coming into the civilian society and looking for a, a profession, bring them as an apprenticeship. We will invest them in their training and uh, Georgia Cyber Center and a couple of other consortium members, they can pay for the wages. So collectively, you know, it's it's taken care of. All you have to do is take a chance and give an amazing service person who has served this country uh, a new career opportunity uh and so take advantage of these resources i think I think you know chris this is this is what kind of rattles me a little bit. There are so many resources that are out there that are known in pockets. if we are to pull that together um, and and provide one channel and funnel to um, uh, to help our industry, I think we have a lot of resources that we really you know not aware of are not generally known and and they are in pockets. So this is one of those, like for veterans, we have a program, uh, government funded program, which they can take advantage of both for training as well as for the wages. Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I knew um some of the skill bridge does for a, a certain amount of days as you're, as you're doing the transition out, but um, that's great information. Thank you for sharing that. Like I'm you. gonna share the links right now uh, for everyone on there as well about the Georgia Cyber Center. Um, We're approaching the the top of the hour, and uh, the way I kind of like to wrap things up is um, based on everything we've discussed so far, for for someone trying to break in, from your experience,
2: um, what what would be one piece of advice that you would give them? I I will say that, uh, you know, look for coaches and mentors. You are not looking, you know, don't start looking for an employer, okay? Look for coaches and mentors. And, and, you know, there are vals and Chris out there who are, you know, curving out their times to uh, to help shape new new teachers, or uh, new entrants in this field. And we really want you. Uh, and we will do everything to find opportunities to get you in. It might not be a dream job to start with, but, you know, you've got to start somewhere. So look for coaches and mentors and, and don't look for the first employer. Maybe those coaches and mentors will become your employer one day. Uh, and it's it's a two way street, right? You have to do your side of the work, and we'll do our side. We'll make sure that uh, you know the time we invest is uh, is is well utilized. And and uh, if you're trying to break into this, um, you now pick up uh, pick up this amazing community of uh, contributors that are there in cybersecurity. We need you more than probably you need us. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, we we have such uh, uh, we we claim we have such a shortage of uh, cybersecurity individuals. I I mean, I I think it's a mindset that we need to pivot that we we need individuals that have cyber competencies, but they don't necessarily need to be in a cyber role. Um, We can have security champions all across the organization. And if we really integrate security into the culture, we, we might not need a role in cyber Because we we have someone in accounting that is focused on fraud and and thinks about cyber. We have someone in help desk that's thinking about cyber. We have someone in software development that's thinking about cyber. We have someone in sales that's thinking about cyber. So if we all come together and, and put those parts of cyber together, we become stronger
2: together. Absolutely. Stronger together is the bottom line, is the key. You can never have a, you know, for a thousand people company or a ten thousand people company. All of them cannot be cybersecurity team in the cybersecurity team. But you are right with yeah. your knowledge, your awareness, and your keenness to to solve this problem. You are. So yes, please contribute in that way. You you don't need to be a, you know, in the cyber team, but you are the cyber team as a as an organization.
0: Wow. Well, um, we, we've been here a, close to an hour, so I it's think it's
2: an hour. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I know, I
0: know. It, it, it's 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 been it's been amazing. Um, I, I'd like to just wrap things up, folks. On LinkedIn, follow us. Um, follow myself. Follow Val. Follow the Cyber Future Foundations. We've shared lots of links in, in the chat, both here on LinkedIn as well as on YouTube. And what we'll do is we'll update the show notes with some of those links. Uh, that way you, you all have access to them after the fact. Uh, for those of you following us on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification button. That way the next time we're here, you can pop up. And for those of you following us on podcast, um, this was an amazing episode, at least in my eyes. So give us a five-star review and share it with friends and family that's interested because um like Val and I were just saying, stronger together, uh, we can create that solution uh, for today, tomorrow, and the future. Um, thanks all for joining, Val. Thanks for, for joining.
2: Thank it was a pleasure. Thank you.